0: Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots, Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2, Episode 18. Convinced my beautiful wife, Kirsten, to come back on the show with me. I think reluctantly, but she's here, so we'll uh, we'll get her talking and see what's going on today. Thanks, Kirsten, for coming back on.
1: Happy to be here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As she rolls her eyes, hopefully you could hear that so things are super different for us now and it was kind of time for an update for us to get on and uh, tell all the people that follow along in this journey with us and follow along with us on on social media and the podcast so here here it is i guess i'm back in chestermere i work for chestermere fire as a fire chief and uh kirsten's cruising along keeping our grown-up fire consulting and merchandise and podcast and social media all going while uh, i'm at work so how's that been going for you
1: Well, it's summer, so not as good as maybe I should be, but we'll get back at it soon, hopefully really soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's been fun to kind of watch it grow and to do it together. That's kind of part of growing up fire for us. To me, I see the merchandise going out with different fire departments logos on it and you going back and forth with the different fire departments, you know, what they want and how they want it and what they wanted to say. To me, it's really super crazy that hashtag always learning took off as big as it did.
1: For sure. I, yeah, I, I agree. I didn't expect to see that. I mean, and it is really good. I mean, we've got our own merchandise, but it is really nice to see some fire departments ordering, growing up fire with their logos on it, which is just a, it was a great surprise for me. I didn't expect that. That's been really good.
0: Always that cool piece. Always what we hoped, right? How do we connect our company? How do we connect ourselves and this podcast with the fire service? And so it's really cool when you're just randomly at West Edmonton Mall parking lot and you see one of our decals sitting there on somebody's vehicle. And honestly, folks, we've never sold one decal yet. I don't think we give lots away. Hundreds of them away, they end up all over the place. And and so we appreciate all the listeners for for doing that and taking care of us it was really a lot of fun for us to work together every day. We were traveling all over Western Canada. A lot of the folks that listen to podcasts followed us on social media, so you kind of knew where we were or where we'd been. Here's the thing. We we still travel a lot. Um, we're, we're all over Western Canada. Took a little bit of time off in the summer because something happened with our house that we're going to tell you about in a minute. We got this chance to Take a bit of a break, I guess. And so um, that's kind of what you're seeing now is we're we're not quite as on social media. We're not quite as dialed in with the podcast. We even missed a few dates. Sorry about that for those of you that like to listen to it first thing when it comes out every second Friday. But all of that's leading us up to rejuvenating ourselves, trying to get ready for what comes next for Growing Up Fire, for the podcast, for the company and all of the things that go with it. So, for the summer, here we are, we're enjoying Chestermere. How do you like Chestermere?
1: I I really like it here. I'm it's nice we're close to the city, but it doesn't feel like we live in a city. So, I really am enjoying that. I definitely miss being so far away from my family, but you know what? Once our house is done, I expect we'll have some visitors. <laughs> All
0: right. Okay. So, our house tons of people asking us about that. It seems like we are in a hotel. So, we've been now almost three months living in a hotel. They're redoing our house. And what happened was when we went away at Christmas time, our thermostat quit working and it quit working when it was calling for heat. And so for the first eight days that we were gone, we'd just put this big fancy alarm system in, and it was all supposed to be working. The internet was out, the power went down, and that's probably what wrecked the thermostat, and nobody from our alarm company called us. So right when you think you're protected, right, you're not, we called our buddy Brent from the Chesterbrew Fire Service and said, hey, you know, something's going on with our house. Do you think you could go over? We couldn't unlock it. We tried a few times, eh, Kirsten? We were trying to.
1: Yeah, we were definitely watching the alarm panel on our phones, but it wasn't really responding. wonder so, why. <laughs> so Brent
0: gets to the house and he says, uh, he's talking to me on the phone and, and uh, opens the door and he says, I think your house is on fire. I'll call you right back. Not great phone conversation. So I had Kirsten come sit beside me and uh, a few minutes later, Brent called us back. And what had happened, and I'd never heard of this before, is our furnace ran as close as we can figure for eight days straight, 24 hours a day never shut off, never overheated. It just did exactly what it was supposed to, which is heat the house for eight straight days. So when they got there, the, the heat was at about 50 degrees Celsius everywhere in the house. And so in my career, most of these types of things have ended in fires and we get there and put out the house fire and say, oh, the furnace broke down. Our furnace, we'd had a bunch, a lot of work done to it and it, was, it ran perfect, ran exactly within specs, but um, it wrecked. So much stuff. Basically, everything you look at our house is being replaced. Kirsten, for you, what were some of the weird things that got wrecked or melted?
1: Well, I have to say one of the weirdest things for me was when I saw a pop can lid blew right off. So I had like a case of pop and there was only three cans left in the, and it was sitting in the bottom of the pantry. And of course, when I pulled the box out, there was no humidity, there was no water, there was no pop, there was nothing, but there was nothing left in these cans. And the lids were literally popped right off, like almost like you took a can opener to them. Like Everything so, just
0: evaporated. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that was a big one for me, but also like the plastic vent covers, the one in our closet that literally melted right into the hole was pretty crazy. You, you know, when you see stuff like that, it was yeah, hot it was hot sure. yeah you
0: know from the firefighter perspective as brent was sending us our great big they're probably four inch cross by eight inch tall candles melted down into the tray from just being in that atmosphere all the wood that shrunk all our cabinets the laminate on our countertops all delaminated
1: tile falling T- off the yeah wall.
0: tile popping right off the the wall the floor warped like crazy it was horrible
1: another one surprising me was the uh we had one glass cabinet and it was cracked in like three different spots because of the wood expanding. And of course it was like a stained glass, so it had the metal in it. So it didn't go anywhere, right? It just broke. It yeah. didn't fall out, but it, it's cracked in it, three places. So to
0: me, two me. hilarious ones were the ice in our ice maker up inside of our freezer turned into one giant ice cube. And then the chocolate chips had to be another fan <laughs> favorite for me. It was, we had a bag full of chocolate chips for baking and it turned into a bag full of chocolate chip. It was just like, what You know, what happens to all this stuff? So anyways, long story short, everything in the house is wrecked. It's a great big insurance problem. It takes them months to get it sorted out. Everything's covered. We're all good. And they're in our house right now, totally rebuilding everything you look at. And then we'll move in all our new stuff that got wrecked. And so, yeah, three months in a hotel after... What were we, about six months or five out of six months straight in hotels before we started back with customers? So it's been crazy.
1: I'm ready for my own bed.
0: Yeah. And anyone that thinks it's fun to just live in a hotel should try it nine months out uh, out of 12 and see how they like it. Anyway, so that's why the dates are screwed up. That's why we, you know, we might not have been getting back to you exactly how we should have been just kind of a window into our life. It's been chaos. We're running our whole company out of our garage at our house that's completely ripped apart. So sorry, we're, we're going to do better. We're just about back in there. I think we get to move in on Friday, give or take, and we're ready to hit the road, right? Hit it running again, I guess. So for us, growing on fire. We talked about this before, right? All right. And so let's just remind everybody, what did you think when I said, hey, I think I'm going to do a podcast?
1: Well, I knew because you had said you were going to do it, you were going to do it. There was no ands, for or buts. When you say you're going to do something, I know you are. So even though we had no idea and I really didn't think I was involved in it, I, I knew you would figure it out and we'd be doing, you would be doing a podcast. I mean, growing up FIRE made sense. It It's what your life has been. It's what our family has been. It's So that part didn't surprise me. I just didn't actually think I'd be dragged into it as much as I have been.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kicking and screaming, folks. Kicking and screaming. Nah, she's been a champ about it. You know, honestly, like Growing Up Fire, the name was the easiest thing. We talked about four or five names. We picked Growing Up Fire and that was it. And it really has grown into all that we are, right? Not only did I grow up in the business of fire so has both of our kids now really we drug you into it you know as soon as you weren't doing travel you know your life of travel you were kind of into it right in your hr role you still helped us out with all the things fire and now here we are doing growing up fire right and so for us some pretty proud moments uh, as of late we're in 15 different countries now uh, just shy of 20,000 downloads, so we don't get to see all, all the listens, we only get to track the downloads, but just shy of 20,000 downloads, I have no doubt that this season by the time we're done we'll be over 20,000 downloads, you know we got our merchandise line, we're connecting our sponsors now, we have sponsors with our customers and their customers and, and we're connecting ourselves with family and friends across the country and to me it's always that special piece when somebody reaches out i think it was uh, the other day was our anniversary and so we have people from across the country reaching out saying hey happy anniversary you haven't seen and then they're putting up pictures you know from the last four or five years of us being there with them in nova scotia pei new brunswick uh, manitoba saskatchewan bc alberta so that's like super exciting to just be like we have been on such an incredible journey through this podcast, and taking us everywhere in the fire service, and, and, you know, just really connecting at a different level. I guess a lot of people would say with your customers, but like Tuss, us, they're not, right? It's it's all about friendship, and that connection on a, on a deeper level. What are some of your favorite parts of all of that traveling across the country?
1: Well, I would say that's very true, that the morning that I woke up on our anniversary, and you had posted before I was, we're always trying to beat each other, <laughs> and... Uh, I think it was about lunchtime and I actually opened your Facebook and I was like, there was like 130 comments at noon. And you're right. Like there was all these pictures of both of us. And one thing I would say is I know tons of people know you, but over the last like three or four months, I realized that tons of people know me. I might not know them, but they're like, oh, you're Jamie's wife. I know you, you're Kirsten. And it's because of all the social media that goes out. And I often forget that piece. So, you know, that's kind of neat to me. But I also will say, like, being able to meet and go to different fire departments, one thing is always, no matter where you are, no matter which fire department it is, as soon as they know you're part of the fire department, they're fire family. It doesn't matter where we go or if we're there for you to do a talk or we're there doing some of our consulting or we're helping with EM stuff. I feel instantly like I'm part of that. And, you know, very seldom do I feel like, oh, these people don't want us here. That's not the case at all. And I mean, sometimes people are a little gun-shy when we come and do consulting work. However, by the time we leave, I really do feel like exactly like you said, we're not there because our customers were there because we now have bonded and we've, we've got a friendship. And I think those friendships will be lifelong friendships. What? We'll, you, we'll you always go it, back right? and see like, them.
0: How many times are we out for lunch and and uh, someone texts and says, you got a minute for a phone call and, and you – and it's not just customers. It's people from across, right? It's the friendships that you – the, the bonds that you make with these people, right? And they're calling to maybe ask a question or maybe just to bounce something off of us or maybe just to tell us something exciting that's happening or something that they saw that we, you know, they think we should know about. And to me, those pieces are all so special, right? Uh, I've been watching Ron Inman out from uh, Summerside PEI and he's going through this whole thing where they're trying to. Um, get a new fire hall and it finally got announced and then and you know it it just makes me think back to that day when we got to check out stuff with the coast guard and we raced up to meet ron and the crew and and they talked about their fire hall and their challenges and you know here it is now three years later and they're finally you know getting to that place where they're going to spec out a new fire hall and build it and and you can feel the excitement right you know muskush we're still friends with so many of those people from around there and they reach out to us all the time and and it's not Again, just that weird, oh well, I knew those guys or I met them once or it it actually they're friends. It actually feels like the sincerity is there all the time. Yeah. You know, we're calling all over the place, we're reaching out all the time, trying to check on people and see how things are going. And then you relive all these stories, right? right? You know, when we were over in Moncton, New Brunswick and we got to meet the paramedics at the fire station with Connery Landry and then you know two hours later they're dealing with this you know massive shooting incident and we, we landed in Hamilton and we're phoning up you know saying hey we don't want to bug you but is everybody okay like we, we just got to meet all these folks and so it's these weird deep connections that, that run across the entire country. It's so exciting to be part of it I guess and to talk about it and it's really I think why it was easy for us to morph into the podcast world. Why do we want to have a podcast? Because we want to introduce the world to all of these great people in the fire service that we get to meet constantly, our friends in Buffalo Point, right? And they're going through all kinds of flooding this summer. And, you know, we're working with them, but we're also made this great friendship and and we're checking out all this stuff all over the place with them. And, uh, you know, we get these messages saying, oh, it's flooding again. (laughs) <laughs> right. And we're just like, wow, you know, like what? I can't believe you're going through this all. And, and yet they're still, hey, it's OK. We, we got this. We're working through these problems. And, you know, the pictures, they still have smiles and they're still getting uh, events done in the community. And they're still building the fire service, which was how we met them. They wanted to get some help building the fire service and building up their emergency management stuff. And so, you know, you, you can see all the things that we're doing in progress and and working and just worried about them all the time, right, and checking in on them. So, you know, there's all these different places where we get all of these crazy connections and it's really what Growing Up Fire is all about, right? A lot of those people, they either grew Up Fire from the time they were little kids, had it thrust upon them because of family connections, or just, you know, want to help out the community and jump in on it. So what are some of your favorite places we've been to and and things that we did?
1: I don't know if I could pick just one favorite place because like you said, every one of them is very special. I mean, when we went to the East coast the first time and we stopped at a couple of fire halls before we actually made it to Wolfville and I will never forget them just opening their doors to us not knowing who we were, showing us their fire halls, the pride they had in it. That was long before Growing Up Fire was here, and it was long before... It was the first time we'd been to nova scotia that was so, alan
0: remember he picked us up from the uh, airport and we said he says what do you guys want to do and we're like well you know we, we like to go to fire halls and uh, so it's like what 6 30 quarter in, to the seven morning, in the morning yes alan's <laughs> texting all these guys and phoning people and we're like oh man don't do that And he's like no no everyone wants to show you their fire hall it's okay and i, I can't remember It was like seven eight nine fire halls oh. we stopped in that morning before we ever even got to wolfville yeah you know, that was a true growing up fire moment for me. And to go to every one of those places, and you know, those people got out of bed, yeah, you know, to come down and and show us their fire all, or just gave Alan the code and said, Oh, just take them in there. It's, you know, it's no big deal. Just take them in.
1: But I I mean, I do feel like that doesn't matter where we are. Often, you'll just say, well, for example, the last time we drove to Manitoba, we're going through Saskatchewan. And all of a sudden, you're like, Hey, I know somebody here. Next thing you know, yeah. we're at their fire hall too, that's right? Regina
0: like, Beach. Hey, eh? I promised that's... Shane if I was ever driving by Regina Beach that I would call and we would stop in, and we did. And he was a great host, and we had uh, probably a two hour conversation about training centers and trucks and uh, the Saskatchewan Fire Service. And it, it was awesome. It was, it was uh, a
1: great visit. I always know when Jamie says to me while we're driving, How far is whatever? From where we are right now, there's going to be a detour. So but that's okay. I, that's It's great. So I love that piece yeah, of it. Yeah, I
0: mean, the detour always ends in us stopping at another cool place, meeting more cool people and making new friends along the way. And, you know, I, I can't uh, have to look at my phone, but I think we're at 436 fire halls, you know, that we visited. And so you start to think about how many different types of fire halls we've seen, how many different types of fire services um, how they're all run, all the the good, the bad, and the ugly that goes with it, and it all links back to the eval tool and why you know we decided as part of all the things we were doing to partner up with Seahawk and and to do the to build the eval tool. At first, I was always so scared. We're we're going to go to another fire department and evaluate their fire service, right? I remember 2011 after the fire, a couple of people came and did some evaluations for us, and I thought. These guys don't even know what they're talking about. Like why are they why are they here? Why are we spending this incredible amount of money, right? And so we always wanted to do it different than those evaluations. And so as we go there, right, your your piece is usually looking through the documentation, interviewing the people, right? Kind of looking at the the guts, the bones of the the fire service. While mine is probably a little more opinionated right i get to look at trucks and i get to look at gear and, and get to give them uh, opinions of where we think they should go and link that all up with occupational health and safety and transportation rules and things like that to me it's uh, I always love the first day and the last day right first day is like wow we're super nervous you're here and we're <laughs> you know you're you're going to talk about our fire service and then they find out there's always good things there's always best practices, always every fire hall we've ever been to every evaluation we've done, there's always so many things that they're doing right. Right. That it always is so much bigger than the few things that they have to learn. And then the last day where you really realize what a friendship you've built with these people, what a bond. And you know that you're going to be talking to them for years to come about all kinds of things. Right. And those are going to be the people that are going to call you up and say, hey, we got that new truck we talked about. Or we changed the fire hall. Or, hey, could you check out this lesson plan for me? Because it's uh, something we're going to add to our training and I love those pieces. I know that I probably shouldn't love it that much, but I do, right? I just, I love to be part of their lives and and to be part of their story.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree. Day one is usually a little bit, I, I would say my favorite piece of the eval tool is the interviews, because I really like, you know, we've got a set set of questions that we ask every, you know, everybody who's being interviewed from on different levels. But I really feel like the first person is very cautious and doesn't say too much. And then once one or two people have been interviewed, they're like, oh, they, they're they not asking anything that, you know, they couldn't find out without talking to us. And by the end, it, it's true. And there are some interviews that take a lot longer than they should, because we get busy chatting about all kinds of different things in their fire service. And I'm, I just I'm interested, I want to know what's going on. And So, I mean, that is always my favorite piece to it, but that's the same. It's building those friendships, right? Becoming a friend instead of just being there as a consultant.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's part of it, right? Is like, you don't know what you don't know and that's fine. You just have to kind of embrace that and and move forward. We certainly didn't know everything when we started out, right? We spent a year developing it. We've spent uh, almost three years now since then doing evals all over uh, Western Canada, We learn every single time the thing grows and changes every single time. The very first one we ever did was Carmen Manitoba. Monica showed us a fire prevention tracking form that she used and I just got it from her the other day and just adopted it even here in Chestermere, right? So to me, you know, 28 evaluations ago, very first one and I still remember that form and that best practice and and can reach out and share that with another fire service. So I think that that's all part of what growing up fire is all about there's no one that you can't ask for something there's no one that won't help you when you ask them and like you say the interviews are always critical right to to actually talk to me i always make fun of you because the fire chief and deputy chief interviews always last forever i think your record so <laughs> far is like three hours or something like that hey um, they have lots to say yeah well it's it's that it's their chance to tell their story about their fire service and all their hopes and dreams for it, it's all the things that didn't go great, all the things that they're planning that will go great. So I always try to stay out of that and just let you guys have that moment uh, together as part of the evaluation. And I'm always so excited to get the Coles notes after of uh, <laughs> you know what, what happened. And you know I also love to tease you about how long it's taking and we're missing lunch and all those things. But
1: <laughs> Hey, it's important. That's that's the good piece. It's all fun. I like it all, but that's my favorite.
0: For sure. Remember when we were in Charlie Lake and you and Ed were just going (laughs) at it there, interviewing for like hours and hours.
1: We had lots to talk about.
0: It was was good. It really was. It was, you know, because I think those guys were super nervous to have us there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you could find out that you're just talking to people that really care about the fire service, just like you. And to me, that's growing up fire we just care so much about the fire service and we're just connecting with all those super passionate people that are part of it all and and doing it right and so yeah it's it's hard for me to imagine that we finished 28 of them so far all over western canada and that it's going good so people often ask us so we're just going to share this with you like what do you find right And so I would say, like, the number one thing we find is that there's no defined levels of service. Yeah. Right? The firefighters think they do this and that, but no one's ever actually said yes, right? No one's ever actually asked counsel or agreed with counsel. So I would say levels of service. To me, it's always a fun part when we sit with the whole fire service and we go through the sheet together and then... Half of them say yes to this, half say no. And and you start this great discussion about, well, should we be doing ice rescue? Do you have the equipment for ice rescue? Do you have a need for ice rescue? Do you, right? Or, um, you know, we could be talking about hazardous materials or confined space, whatever. These great discussions come up. You know, we were just up north of Thompson doing a community there and and uh, same sort of thing, right? It was, you get it was like a ghost town. You could hardly find anyone that would talk to us. And on the last day, everyone was sad we were leaving and they all met us for a big meeting and, you know, we've been talking to them ever since. And so, you know, to me, levels of service, get it done. Policies, right, linking up the communities and the fire department's policies. And then once that's done, that's all kind of the council stuff, then having the standard operating guidelines. And and I just love it. Like everyone thinks that theirs are the only ones in the world. If I could convince you of one thing, folks, it's that. The SOGs in the fire service that we've seen so far are plus or minus 80% the exact same everywhere we've seen them, right? The ones that we help to build for customers are 80% the same and you gotta just change the last 20% to make it the community, right? Your fire service in your way. It's always funny, like, you'll ask them, you're reviewing all the material and we'll say, okay, just give us all these things and there's a list of 25 things. And they always say, well, we don't have any of these things. <laughs> And by the time you're done talking to them and looking through and getting the computer and grabbing binders, they've got like half of what they thought they didn't have, right?
1: Yeah, it's true. Lots of times they don't necessarily maybe call it the same thing or do it the same way, but it's there. It just is digging to find it, right? So yeah, I would say that one of the things I like to discover when we're doing all of that is lots of times they all say you talk about levels of service and they all They're not sure of everything. But you know what? Most fire halls we've been to all would go to any call. (laughs) It's one thing I've discovered. Every call. Every call. It doesn't matter what it is. We're going to go.
0: Check mark yes to all.
1: (laughs) Yes. They just want to help, right? So... (laughs)
0: And it's true. And and I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's what we want for everyone too, right? We want you to be able to help when the public calls, but we want you to be able to do it in a safe, responsible way where firefighter safety is at the forefront. And, and so I think it's just getting to that. Yeah, for sure. You know, it goes back to that, how this all started that conversation you and I had in the truck where it was like, well, what do we actually care about? What are, you know, what do we want to start a company to do? How do we want to help out? And it was very clear in that conversation that firefighter safety was the most important thing to us. And anything that we could do to make firefighters safer would make communities safer, would make everything go better and run better. So it's always crazy how operationally ready the fire service is. The alarm goes, everyone gets in the truck, and they go and handle whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They might not be ready in all the other areas, right? Administratively, usually the paperwork, tough, right? Usually having training challenges, infrastructure challenges, we can't get enough money, we can't figure out how to buy this or get that. We don't know what to buy or get, right? But operationally, they take whatever they got and they go out there and they just crush it time after time.
1: Yeah, that's always a piece. Like I said, it doesn't matter what it is, they're going and they, they just do, right? It's pretty amazing.
0: It is pretty amazing. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles. Built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acres.ca. All right, kind of perspective time now. So we've got to see a lot more fire halls than most people in the world. We've got to meet a lot more firefighters than most people in the world. We've got to interact through our evaluation tool with the, the companies we work with and the people we work with. So now it's perspective right what advice would you give and i'm going to pick today training i'm going to start training officers so you're you're a brand new training officer or maybe you've been in the job for a long time right from looking at it from all the ways we've looked at it i'm gonna let you go first what advice would you give to training
1: officers have a plan right you need to train a fire is a fire it doesn't matter but you still have to be prepared for it and train for it. So whether you're a fire department like that goes to fires three times a week or whether you're one that goes once a year or once every 5 years, you still have to be ready. So I would say, you know, plan plan that training, schedule, put it out, make sure you, you know, you've got it so that people can look at it and understand it and just be prepared. It's no different than working in human resources. When we actually have a path for somebody who wants to go from maybe being a equipment operator to the boss one day, you know, if you don't have a pathway and a plan to get to where you want to go, it's hard to get there. So I would say that's my biggest piece of advice to a training officer is just plan ahead, be ready, be prepared, schedule it out. Organization is key.
0: Love it. Love it. I mean, uh, to me, I mean, I'm going to add the scheduling part of that. Right. So I would say go back to the end, right? So at the end, what do you want your firefighters to be able to do? What do you want your officers to be able to do? Figure out what it is you want, right? Go back to those minimums and say, this is the stuff that I want everyone to be able to do and know how to do. Then from there, build that plan, that schedule all the way out to the end. I think we don't often define what it is we want our firefighters and our officers to be, right? I would say that the officers are the most forgotten piece of training that there is that we've run into in the fire service. So they have to rely on their knowledge, they have to rely on their experience, and they don't get much training. And that's not really fair, it's not really fair to them, it's not really fair to the other firefighters, because we should be training them to do better and and to uh, be able to interact with the crews, not just in emergencies, but all the time. So I would say go to the end, decide what you want it to look like, and then make this plan, make this schedule all the way to the end. Because we were just talking the other day about live fire training, we're gonna do some up in beautiful Kananaskis here in a couple of weeks. And the runs, I was saying, make sure we're doing RIT, make sure we're doing Mayday, make sure we're staggering the sponsors, like holding the trucks back. We want trapped people, we want injured firefighters, we want evacuation from the fire, and we want accountability training. And it was like, wow, we, we made this huge list and this is all the things we want. And in that list is not fires, you know. It's like, well, we're gonna have all these fires and do all these rescues to make sure that our firefighters get to do and see this stuff, right? So you're you're planning and you're training for the end, the, the worst case scenario for us in every case. And you're just going to learn all the other things as you go through that. And you're going to use all those skills that you've learned in your 1001 and in your training to get you to the end. But it was so weird to look at that list and say, wow, these are all emergency type things. That's what we're the most worried about, right? The things that can hurt our firefighters, can hurt the public the most. That's what we want to practice so that if it goes good. Right? We had a call the other night where they went and everything went great. The house was empty. They put out the fire. They cleared out the smoke and checked for extension and did all the things they're supposed to do. We don't really talk much when it goes great. What always comes up is when it doesn't go great.
1: For sure. Yeah. I... I see the piece that you're talking about for officers, because I find that, you know, when you've got a new recruit, you do a lot of training with them and they have to really focus on things before they get off that probation and become a firefighter. And then even as a firefighter, you know, they they still do their training. But as they move up, lots of times you see they move up just because it's based on their experience or they've been there the longest, not necessarily because they actually have been trained to be that next level firefighter and it is a piece that we definitely see is missing so i agree like just being ready and as Brene brown says paint done right. first so that you know what to expect right and how to get there
0: yeah so that was my last one in on the list you jumped ahead so we'll do it but uh, yeah 10-year firefighters looking to promote or maybe not even looking to promote, but they're gonna be promoted, right? How many deputy chiefs, chiefs, captains have we talked to and said, like, how did you get this job, right? We're not trying to be mean here, we're just saying, how how did you get this job? And I would say like nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, I've been here the longest or uh, everyone thought that I was the next one in line or, right? Very rarely is there a process, is there any way to actually figure out who would be the best at that job, and so sadly, once in a while, you see that someone's been promoted to the point of incompetence where they're having a hard time. Sometimes they recognize that and they want to do better, but the training's not available. Sometimes they don't recognize that, and we build up the big ego problems and the turf problems that come with that. And so, for the 10 year firefighter, you were, you were, kind of headed down that road anyway. So <laughs> what other advice can you give? Those are the things you saw, but what advice would you give to that 10-year firefighter that's looking to to move ahead and to move up into the ranks of the officers?
1: Well, I would say like any goal in your life, you you need to have a pathway and you need to, I guess the hard part is if you don't realize that you want to be that officer in 10 years time, sometimes it's hard to plan that path. But I mean, if if you aspire to be in a higher position in, in your day-to-day job and as a volunteer or whatever it may be, you kind of have to have a plan and a pathway to follow to get there. And, you know, making sure that it's not just about, like you said, the live fire training, there's so much more to it than that. You know, th- being a leader is is huge. And there's a difference between leadership and being a boss, right? Um, and recognizing the differences and understanding the difference and and choosing the right pathway to do that. Because becoming a leader is not like being a boss. And recognizing that I think is huge. So, you know, if you want to be in one of those higher positions, I think you need to understand leadership and what your place is there and how you're going to get to where you need to go.
0: Nice. So yeah, I'm going to tag on right there. And just say for me, it's simply decide if that's something you want to do, right? Because if it is something you want to do, then you have to work towards it. You know, that whole hashtag always training hashtag always learning thing is not just something that we use on social media. It's a it's real life. If you want to be an officer then you should be working towards that it's not just you've been here the longest or your buddies with the chief or you know it runs in your family so you're going to have to do it you you got to earn it you got to move towards it you have to understand what it is right and it's not just taking the 1021 course so that you're a better budgeter than someone else or that you understand the paperwork it's it's actually about understanding the incident command portion of it understanding all of the people problems that can come up I was often found saying, in my leadership role, it was more about being the janitor and being a counselor to everyone, right? And so I would always say, like, if, if it's dirty, we clean it. If it's broken, we fix it. If it doesn't know what it's doing, we train it. And if it's on fire, we put it out. It's a pretty simple job. And you got to just understand those pieces, but be able to fill in those leadership pieces along the way, right? You see it all the time everyone's worried about mental health and they'll parrot all the phrases that come with mental health. But there's a difference between parroting the phrases and actually being able to help firefighters that are in trouble with their mental health. And so I think being a leader, being that 10 year person looking to promote and to become an officer, you have to think of it a lot more than just, I'm a great firefighter, so I should be in charge of all the firefighters because it's so much bigger and so much more important than that. All right, so we're switching gears now. And now this is uh, some advice to those poor administrative support folks that we run into across this country that run the front desk. Maybe it's part-time, maybe it's full-time. You know, maybe it's Nan up in Wabaska or uh, (laughs) Carrie here in Chestermere or any of the people that we've run into across the country. What kind of advice would you give for the people that are trying to support the fire service administratively?
1: Well, first of all, I would say You have to understand the fire service. So if you're a a volunteer and you volunteer just to do the admin stuff, you still have to understand the other piece of it. So making sure you understand the fire service is a key thing, I think. And there's never too much paperwork. As much as people don't want to do paperwork, there can never be too much. You're better to have too many notes than to have none at all. And I would say, you know, if you don't know how to do something reach out to the neighbor and find out, you know, whether that means calling us or whether it means calling the town around the corner, don't try and reinvent what's already made. Somebody else will have it. So reach out and, and use the network. The fire service has a huge network. They have a huge network for the administrative staff and don't be scared to ask for help. Don't be scared to ask the chief if you need something.
0: You know, I will always give credit to Shar in Slave Lake. So she was the admin that worked there the longest when I was there and uh, probably taught me as much about getting the paperwork done as I ever taught her and really got to watch her like different people, right? So she would handle everyone in a different way. It didn't matter if it was rural firefighters or kind of the urban firefighters, search and rescue or, or special teams. She would always find out a way to deal with each one of those in a different way, right? In a way that they needed to be interacted with and so I always appreciated that um, about her having that good communication right you could leave her alone to do her thing but if you had something you needed to get done you could jump in on it and so what I always find is uh, I love the piece that you said about have a background in it and have some knowledge in it I've always tried to support that and I think back I'll never forget this as long as I live we were in Nova Scotia and they asked me in the, like the last minute to do a talk at one of the talks, I think, it was it was the wrap-up banquet for CVFSA, one of the years we were there. Just before I had to go up, right, I thought it was a joke, so I said yes. And then later on, I found it was for real. I was going to have to wing this speech for half an hour. So I did it. But just before I went up, they were doing the years of service awards. I don't know if you remember this or not, Kirsten, but they called a guy up that had 45 years of service. And this guy, he, he was using a walker. And he's using his walker to get up to the front of the room to get his 45-year award for helping out the fire service for 45 years. And I thought, wow, like what what is happening here? Is this just one of these honorary things and it's super nice? And they launch, like they're reading my thoughts, they launch into this all the, the work, you know. And he'd gone from firefighter to fire chief and then back down to just helping out the fire department and they were talking about how he hadn't missed a practice in five years, and he, he does all the paperwork and tracks everything and helps the training people and helps the fire chief and helps the firefighters, does the talk on the first night of the new recruits and all of these things. And I was like, this is a person that's getting a 45-year medal, right? That's this an older gentleman. He's walked up there with his walker, and he's still putting more into the fire service than I feel like I put into it every single day. And so I was just like so proud to be at that banquet and be in that moment and to hear all of the cool things that they were saying about this gentleman and his family and you know their life in this in this Nova Scotia fire service. I don't think I'll ever forget that.
1: Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, I think one of the things that's easy to say is if there's not a job for you as a firefighter and you want to be in the fire service, There's always a place if maybe you can't be the person who's running into the burning building. There's always a place for you to fit if that's what you want to do. You just need to figure out what that place is and, you know, how you can help. And I mean, you could see it in that gentleman. He went from many jobs and then he went back to just helping again. Right. But he understood and he knew what he could do to help. So pretty amazing.
0: I really respect a lot of the things that we see out there on the East Coast. And it's not, I guess it's just busier here or bigger or more money to throw at it. I don't know what out in the West, but on the East Coast, it was just like, how many firefighters did we meet that were on two or three different, right? They were on one fire department during the day with their job. They were on another fire department at night as their main one. And then that whole fire department was connected with another fire department. So they would all be part of that. And and so just always remember so many cool things.
1: And they did a lot of volunteer fundraising for a lot of things they have there, uh, unlike you see in the western side of Canada, right? Like yeah. it, it is a little bit different that way for sure. They yeah, they still you know, do a lot of
0: fundraising in the west, but just not uh, not the
1: same way, I guess. Yeah,
0: right. The the bottle drives barbecues and bake yeah. sales that they do in the east. The bingo's the mm-hmm. all the bees, right? It's like well,
1: even how they had like a hall attached to some of their fire halls i'll never forget the very first fire hall we ever saw in nova scotia and it was the time where just you and i were there and we rented a vehicle and we drove out to i don't even it was past wolfville anyway and there we pulled into this fire department or fire hall uh, parking lot and there was a car there so you went and kind of knocked on the door and there was a lady in there who was one of the firefighter wives and the auxiliary and they were having some big barbecue that night. And so they were preparing this supper. And of course she took the time to show us around the fire hall, but it seemed like every fire department there had something similar where they had a kitchen and they, they would do fundraising events at the fire department doing different things so um a little different for sure but amazing to see big that.
0: catering big ideas yeah. big things for sure it's uh it, it's so cool right i mean we and we've been blessed with that chance to go across the country multiple times now <laughs> and and uh, give talks about the different things and and see all the different things and and to me it's like I love all of the new versus old ways of thinking the generational attitudes and you know everyone oh I don't like this and I do like that and this person and that person to me I love it all. You just take it all in, right? I love to sit with a fire chief that's been the fire chief for 40 years in a community just as much as I love to sit with a firefighter that's been a firefighter for 40 days in a community and, and hear you know the hopes and the dreams and the, and the changes and, and what they think they're getting into. You know, versus the stories, the long stories. We were sitting at home the other night and there was a big forest fire on TV on one of the shows. And it was funny because I looked over and I said, man, I missed that. Right. It's just something that I was and you were laughing because you you were thinking I should ask him if he misses that. Right. (laughs) just being part of that world and and those firefighters and, and that different style of firefighting right and so all of those different ways of doing it all the different ways of thinking i think maybe that's why you loved the the interviews so much you know maybe that's why we love going across the country uh, helping out different fire departments is because uh, we just love to be part of that story and hear those stories
1: for sure one of my favorite parts for sure is just listening to what everybody's story is at their own hall and they're you know as much as they're similar they're always different right so
0: i'm going to put you on the spot here cuz people put me on the spot all the time right we've seen all these fire halls and you've been to most of them with me right what are what are some of your top 10 fire halls what and i don't think necessarily you have to tell me the place cuz who can remember them all but what are some of the things that you saw there that were really big winners for you Hmm. But while you're thinking about it, I'm going to talk about it. one of my favorites again. Everybody knows that one of my favorites is Winkler Manitoba, right? They got a museum, they got a big cook kitchen, they've got uh, it's a really great setup, right? Big front open area. Their bays are really tall. They've got training built into all aspects of it. And they have this huge piece that they've built, and it's not developed yet. So not only did they build a great fire hall, but they built in the potential to expand as needed, whether it was emergency management or fire or ambulance or whatever it was. And so to me, I love all that forward thinking. So that's one of my favorites.
1: So it's so funny that you talk that way, because for me, my favorites are not about the fire hall. They're about what's inside. And I, I have to tell you, the first time we went to buffalo point their fire hall was not really a fire hall they had a lot of storage stuff in it from public works but you know the last time we were there and all the training that we did and when we left they have a fire hall and it's set up and it's you know it's functional now and i i will say like we've done so we've been to so many fire halls but that little tiny fire department is probably one of my favorites because I really really got to be a part of helping them transform that little hall to make it functionable for them they what they might have 12 volunteers and every one of them showed up they were so passionate they wanted to be there like when they got to do the live fire and i got to sit and watch it i was just they, they were so excited to to see and to have that happening for them again and that transformation just was a a huge success for me because I got to be a piece of it right from the very beginning and like I said it's it's a favorite for me for a different reason I mean there's so many beautiful fire halls if that's what we're talking about but if you're talking about fire halls or fire services I I will say that is one of my favorites definitely because it's all of a sudden it's theirs and it's it it just works for them
0: yeah I I think that all of the ones that you know it's bigger than the eval tool it's all the work we do after right we're working with some other small ones right now we're working with lots of first nation ones that have really kind of touched your your heart a bit right it's Mm -hmm. not it's not we're not just there to share what's in our brains but we're actually there to help them build a fire service and you can see their passion grow and you can see their excitement grow and and you can see how that uh you know you help them fix the pieces that they didn't know how to fix and all of a sudden it's like wow you know our fire hall is whole and uh that excitement is oh man it's incredible it, it just builds and builds and and you just can't wait like you get home and you're like okay let's hurry and sleep so tomorrow we can get up and do it again right <laughs> and even when you you know they invite you over for suppers and things like that and you, you just feel that that friendship building, that that growth of that we're all in this together and we're all, you know, helping build this and we're all part of it. I think you can't go wrong with that kind of stuff. For sure. Anyways, great place to end. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for being part of this wild journey. Wouldn't want to do it with anybody other than you, so appreciate it folks thank you for sticking with us sorry about the deadline sorry about the, the missing social media pieces you know why now you, you know we're getting back at it we're, we're getting saddled up here ready to ride so uh we'll talk to you all again soon and uh, appreciate all of your messages and uh, everything that you reach out and give to us as much as we ever give anything to you so thank you all for being part of this journey thanks Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.